Welcome to the Holidays to Switzerland Travel Podcast. Your host is the founder of HolidaysToSwitzerland.com and the Switzerland Travel Planning Facebook group, Carolyn Schonefinger. On this podcast, Carolyn will be joined by a variety of guests who share their knowledge and love of the country to help you plan your dream trip to Switzerland. Hello, Grutzi. Happy New Year and welcome to Episode 37 of the podcast. This is the first of many new episodes for 2022, full of useful tips and inspiring destinations to help you plan your perfect Swiss vacation. I am thrilled to announce that the lovely folks from Switzerland Tourism will be sponsoring the podcast this year, and I thank them sincerely for their support. The Switzerland Tourism website, myswitzerland.com, is packed full of information about travelling in Switzerland, so be sure to check it out. Today's guests are Gary and Kathy Martin from Seattle, who recently spent a month's vacation in Switzerland. After a couple of very brief visits in the past, they were longing to return to Switzerland and planned this trip to celebrate Gary's retirement. Gary and Kathy created a trip that combined some of Switzerland's most popular destinations with a number of incredible authentic experiences that they have a personal connection with. With four weeks to explore the country, They were able to slow down, stay longer in each destination, meet the locals and really appreciate the beauty of Switzerland and the peace and quiet it offers. If, like Gary and Kathy, you need quiet, please, you need Switzerland. I'm sure you're going to love hearing more about their trip. Good morning, Gary and Kathy. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Could you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourselves and your travel experience and and any perhaps past visits to Switzerland. Okay, uh, thanks for having us. Um, we have maybe a little bit of a unique uh, past for our decision to go to Switzerland. Uh, we lived in North Germany for nine years during our early married time. We had a couple of children born there and we learned to speak German fluently. We went to Switzerland just briefly a couple of times. We lived far in North Germany in Kiel and friends and family that came to visit us always wanted to do something in Germany um, and we never really spent much time in Switzerland. Um, So we moved back to the States in 1988 and um, had several trips back to Germany mostly to visit friends. But I'd always wanted to spend time in Switzerland and I thought how crazy that was to live there for nine years in Germany and never spend more than a couple of days in Switzerland. So we planned a trip, my retirement trip, and uh, it worked. We were able to go even during COVID and find a window of opportunity to spend 28 days uh, in Fantastic. Switzerland. Yeah, wonderful. And for, for those listeners that, that don't know, Germany is quite a large country. So because you were living in the north of the country, uh, it is quite a distance to Switzerland. So obviously, in some instances, for people that are in the south of Germany, it's easy just to pop over the border, but it wasn't wasn't that easy from the north. A good 10 to 12 hour drive. And so yeah, that was difficult. Yeah, not not really somewhere you'd go for a weekend visit. Right. So can you give us a bit of an overview about your trip? Um, I'd like to get into a bit more detail about it shortly, but um, just to sort of summarise, what what was your what did your trip involve? I wanted to focus on central Switzerland, 
um, I wanted to hit um, the, the Central Alps, especially the Jungfrau region. We had been briefly to um, Lauterbrunnen for like a couple hours on one of our uh, one of our brief four years four years into uh, Switzerland, um, and we got out of the car and I hiked somewhere maybe at uh, maybe at the south end of of the road that that um, leads to I think Stechelberg. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, but I said we have to come back someday. We have to come back. Uh, that was 1980. Finally got that. We finally made it made it back. So that was an area I wanted to explore. I had learned about um, the Alpine village, the car-free village of Merlin uh, at that time and thought we have to go there someday. Um, and then learned about other places uh, to see in the area. I picked up a very nice book written by um, a local from the area of Interlaken that focused on things to do in the Bernese Oberland. Mm-hmm. So that helped us make some selections. Uh, and then the other region I wanted to spend some time in is the Emmental. And that happened uh, by sure by accident, 1995, on a trip down to Bern to visit some friends in Bern. Uh, we were going to arrive a little bit early, and I said, we need to get off the main road and spend some time driving around. So we ended up driving around the Emmental, and found a lovely restaurant. I kept the receipt and the little card for years and found it during COVID while we're cleaning things out. It's like, oh, that's that place. And <laughs> we have to go there. So, so from that card that I kept from a meal in 1995, um, that short story, that led to spending eight days in two different places in the Emmental. That's fantastic. And, uh, it was more than I imagined. And I do remember driving up the hills out of the, the woods and seeing the, the pasture lands, the rolling hills, the, the cows, the bells, and thinking, oh, this is, this is like you've always imagined um, this part of Switzerland to be like. So that was, um, yeah, that was a, a wonderful way to reconnect with um, something that we had experienced only briefly in the past. Okay. understand that you actually, you met up with some friends uh, again on on this most recent trip. Is that right? Yeah, several times. And I guess for the, uh, for the the listeners will come to later, like, what would you recommend? Um, I would recommend tapping into very personal things that connect you to Switzerland. It could be friends that you know that, that live there or relatives, but try to not just read the guidebooks, mm-hmm. but talk to people so that you can create some personal connections uh, yeah. on the trip. So very briefly, I had a colleague that I had corresponded with only by email over the course of several years uh, in the past. We both retired the same year and he moved from Central African Republic back to his home in Lucerne, our first stop. Uh, he met with us. He gave us a tour around Old Town Lucerne. Uh, and then we had like personal tour guide for two days with great recommendations on things to do. Mm. Um, the friends from Bern that we visited in 1995, we were young people with kids. Now we're older people with grandchildren. Uh, they picked us up from our hotel in Interlaken and spent a whole day driving us all around, you know, Susten Pass and, and Forkestrasse and all these cool places, excited to show us where they'd like to go when they go on vacation as, yeah. as uh, people that have 
were native um, burn uh, residents. Yeah, and those um, personal experiences and personal recommendations, they, they really make your trip unique, don't they? They, they really do. Um, and then the, finally we ended up for four days uh, spending time in the same hotel with a very unique situation. I had a pen pal over 50 years ago in junior high school um, we connected once about 10 years later and then once again about four years ago and then again three years ago and we decided we need to spend time together. So the the couple met us in Zermatt, stayed in our hotel, and it turned out that we ended up celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary <laughs> while, while we were in Zermatt. Um, and so this was just a really bizarre but absolutely amazing way to see Switzerland yeah. was to uh, see it with people that you connected with in some significant way in the past. They had never been to Switzerland before. They lived in Southern Germany and it, actually this was their first time into Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we were both really having a good time. <laughs> Incredible. Okay. So Kathy, um, can I ask you, how did you get, uh, get around Switzerland on this most recent trip? We traveled by train mm -hmm. when we could, which is very comfortable and very convenient. Uh, and then, to get to some of the smaller outlying areas, we took local buses. Okay, yeah. So did and you have the Swiss travel pass? We had the uh, half fare. Okay, yeah. So you used the half fare card and then you just purchased the tickets for the for each individual trip at 50% at off. Yes. That was, that was easy to do because you just, you know, use your phone and it's very – and we also did a, a lot of walking. Okay, yeah, great. And did you find that with the the public the public transport there were frequent enough for what you needed to to get around? And on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can count on it being right on time. With sufficiency. Yes. Okay, so can we talk more about um, your itinerary? Where did you fly into from the states? Uh, we flew into Zurich. We did have to change planes in Amsterdam, so okay. Seattle to Amsterdam quick transit and then we flew into Zurich. Okay and so did you stay uh, any spend any time in Zurich or did you head head straight to Lucerne? We had uh, headed straight to Lucerne. We got mm -hmm. off the plane, bought our half fare card, got our ticket and took the train right to Lucerne. Okay all right so can you tell us a little bit more about um, what you did in Lucerne and, and where you stayed and did you have any memorable meals or any sort of experiences that, that really stood out? I, I know you mentioned you had a personal tour guide there, so maybe he took you to some places that you may not have visited uh, without his knowledge. Uh, yes, that's that's right. We, we stayed right on uh, the Royce River. Um, it was very close to the train station as well. So our criteria for hotels was less than a kilometre from the train stations. Mm -hmm. uh, so that worked really well. And the major excursion in Lucerne was Mount Rigi. Okay. And I kind of wanted to say also for people that are trying to decide this, these constant questions, I can only do Pilatus or Rigi, which one should I do? Mm -hmm. I'd say read about them and pick one and you'll enjoy it. Um, if you can do both, great. But you can't always do both, and certainly you can't do everything, uh, even in a 28-day trip. Yeah. Now, the reason I, I chose Rigi was because my friend, 
uh, had a very famous father, it turns out, in Lucerne, who uh, passed away about a year ago, almost age 103. And his dad used to hike to Mount Rigi beginning at age 90 <laughs> once a week. So he would leave his home in Emmenbrucke, take the bus to the, you know, to the boat launch, take the boat over to Fitznau, and then instead of taking the train, the Rigi Bahn, he would hike up. And this was early in the morning. Very early in the morning. Wow. It's still dark, like four or something. So when I when I talked to my emailed my friend, I said, "Well, I think we decided on Rigi because, as you said, it's Dad's mountain." He referred to it as Dad's mountain. I said, "Now that we and we saw a twenty minute uh, documentary on this um, that was on YouTube from a, a Swiss uh, journalist that interviewed him on one of his trips." I said. Wow. I think I know more about your dad than I know about you. And I really <laughs> like him. So, so that was another way we decided to, to go and to, to decide which way we wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And so he, he met us up there. My friend, in, in the spirit of his father, while we took the Rigi Bahn up, he hiked up. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and as we got off the, the train at the top, he met us there. <laughs> I said, good, good tradition to follow. Uh, so that's what made, Thing special. It would have been a great trip anyway, but uh, having he, that connection, he had that that connection, yeah. and pretty much most people in Lucerne know about you know, Hans Jörg Müller uh, because that's from age ninety to almost age hundred. It was once a week. Uh, mm. Take the trip, Amazing. hike, Amazing. hike to the top. <laughs> Okay, and and what else did you do in in Lucerne? I guess you had a had a good look around the old town. Yes, we walked around the old town. Um, they picked us up and took us for a drive um, to the countryside nearby, a place we wouldn't have been able to go on uh, and wouldn't be even known about. Um, and and that was pretty much it. We only had two full days. And where did you go to from there? From there, we went right to Murren. So uh, it, it was only about a three-hour, several transfers uh, with the train and um, the cable car and, and the train to Merlin. But we decided we wanted to get to Merlin sooner than later in the trip just to make sure we could sort of hope for the best weather, and we had it. Okay, and what, what time of year was it that you traveled? Mid-August. To, uh, yeah, it was mid-August to mid-September. Okay, yeah, great. And what were some, some of the things that you did in while you are in Murren, Kathy? At Gimmelwald. We walked down to Gimmelwald and then took the, the um, gondola up, back up. And we also, spur of the moment, took a, a trail that wandered through a cow pasture and into the woods and who knows where all it went. But it was our first experience with just – Walking into somebody's private property, and that's just fine because you know everybody does it. it. Just make sure you latch the 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 gate behind you so the cows don't wander away. Mm-hmm. We did a, a lot of that. The next day, we went up to the Schildhorn. Schildhorn. Okay, yes, yep. And the spectacular views from up there, isn't there? Did you have a, Did you have a nice clear day? We made sure we we chose the the best, the one that had the best prospect of. Perfect. giving them the view and we could see just it was wonderful yeah and the, we got up there as early as we could um to make sure that we got there before the clouds started rolling in mm-hmm. and they 
did come in um, after we'd been there several hours. Okay. Yeah. The, vis- it, the visibility was greatly reduced. Okay. Right? Yeah. And so we were glad that we planned it the way we did. And whereabouts did you stay in Murin? Um, I think the name of the hotel was the Alpenru. Turned out it was very lovely. And um, it was right, basically right next to the gondola. So that morning that we went to Shilthorn, we got up, looked out the window. I said, we got to go. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's clear right now. We can see across, you know, across the, to the Jungfrau uh, area. I said, it's clear. We got to go. So we had our breakfast and went. And due to COVID, um, there were very few crowds. I mean, middle of summer, we walked from our hotel and literally walked right on the next gondola. No mm-hmm. wait lines at all. Yeah. So Wonderful. That was pretty nice. So you had that uh, that memory from your visit to Lauterbrunnen way back when um i imagine that you probably went went back down into the valley to lauterbrunnen and and how did that um your fond memories from that were were you disappointed or or did you think this is just as great as i remembered it was more than i more than i remembered it wasn't exactly because i don't know that i could have find exactly where we were you know Mm. in 1980 but um, the surroundings felt right and uh, it was it was fabulous. It was much more. Um, we Kathy reminded us of the Trommelbach Falls uh, tour that we took, and that was just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just we walked down the valley. So we we took a bus all the way to the end of the route, south end of the route. Had a really nice lunch at the hotel at the end of the route, and then walked part way back instead of taking the bus all the way back to uh, mm-hmm. the train station. And, you know, you can see paragliders landing in the field and um, just have a leisurely stroll um, down these lush green meadows that uh, I envisioned, but it's so different when you're there. Yeah. Even the pictures that I have glued all over the place and wallpaper on my desktop, uh, they just don't do it justice. No, you've got to be there to, to really soak it in, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And how long was your stay in, in the Jungfrau region in, in Murin? We stayed uh, three to four nights. I'm not sure exactly. We did pretty much three to four nights in each location. Okay, yeah. I think um, there was three to four nights there and then three to four nights in Grindelwald. So we went across to the other side of, of uh, the mountain, the range there and spent okay. an equivalent amount of time in Grindelwald, which mm-hmm. was also beautiful and yet quite different than Maroon. And, and did you do a lot of hiking while you were in Grindelwald as well? Yes, we did. We did a lot of hiking. We did the uh, the Fürstbahn. But the main thing we did was we took the hike to the Bach Abzei. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just uh, a memory that will you know, just never be forgotten. It was a gorgeous day. There were some clouds, which made it even more beautiful. The cows were up at, you know, that seven, 8,000 foot level. And uh, it was just, just almost surreal to be in a place as beautiful as that. That was probably one of our most memorable uh, hikes. It was a nice long two or three hour uh, leisurely hike from yeah. the, the top of the station to the, the the lake and back. Wonderful. And do you remember the name of the hotel that you stayed at in Grindelwald? Gletchergarten. It was amazing. 
it, we would stay definitely stay there again. Okay. And did you do the excursion to the Jungfrau Jock or not? We decided not to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, there was one of the things that we had to make a choice, and uh, I, I we decided we didn't have the good enough weather at Grindelwald for, okay. for that, or, or we did, but we chose to do the Probably. fierce and, and and the hike on that day rather than to go to the Jungfrau Joch. Yeah. But, uh, for some reason that didn't actually appeal to me. I know a lot mm-hmm. of people that have been up love it, but just kind of going up and getting out and looking around and getting back down, it's, it's like I'd rather go up and walk through some green pastures and yeah. not just get out on the snow. So Yeah, that's yeah, and, and why not? You it's such beautiful scenery. You want to be out in it if you can, enjoying it. Okay, so where did you head to then after your your stays in the Jungfrau region? We stayed in Interlaken then for five nights because that was our hub to do other things. And so you would have had a really good, got a, a good feel for the different kinds of um, places in the region then because you've been in the Carfree village of Murren and then you're over to Grindelwald, which is like more of a, I don't know, a, a it's not a city, or but a, but it's a busier sort of village, and then mm-hmm. down into Interlaken, which is the main sort of holiday town in the region. So, um, what sort of things did you do down there in in Interlaken, and and what was the reason for actually staying there as well? Um, the, I guess the reason for staying there was just to have time to explore whatever came up based on weather. Mm-hmm. And we walked, we stayed in Unterseen, which is just, you know, the, the part of Interlaken, sort of north of the main part of Interlaken, its own, its own you know, separate place. But um, so it was quieter. It was right on the, the Ara River. And uh, so uh, beautiful. Um, we had one day where we went to Hopkern. You mentioned you wanted to talk about that later, mm-hmm. but my interest in playing outporn uh, required that while we're there, I visit at least one or two outporn makers, and there was one just a 15-minute bus ride from our hotel um, up in the, uh, the the village of Hopcairn. So we did get to do that and spent um, a couple of hours seeing how outporns are made. You got to play a couple of um, the outporns that they had and purchased an Alporn mouthpiece uh, from Bernatone. That was one day. Uh, one day we did laundry, <laughs> and so we uh, we walked uh, a lot and found uh, a nice laundromat and spent a couple hours getting getting caught up. One day we walked. We were able to walk to the Harder Kolmban mm-hmm. and uh, and did that excursion, which was beautiful uh, and then one day we got picked up by our friends from Bern and spent the whole day driving around uh, the Alps so we kind of played that by ear we said five days is really five nights is really only four days mm-hmm. so based on weather we knew we have to do laundry we don't know if that's going to be all day or half a day it was about half a day so uh, and our friends they said, you know, let's wait and see what the weather looks like. So we chose the best day for them to pick us up and do the driving. Yeah. And so other things we just sort of fit in as uh, as it was convenient. Maybe you could tell us a bit more about your interest in the Alporn, because I remember seeing in the in the Facebook group that um, you actually, um, I think you are a member of an Alporn club in the states. Is that is that right? 
Um, yes, that's, that's correct. Um, when I got ready to retire, I did, knew I wanted to start playing my trumpet again. So I started private lessons. And of course, in researching Switzerland, you're always, you're always seeing people, you know, pictures of people playing Alphorn. And um, I was, you know, as a brass player, I was interested in, in how, how easy that would be to learn to play. And I knew that there was an Alphorn club about a three-hour drive from us here in Seattle, two and a half hours, in a little, a little German village uh, called Leavenworth. Uh, it's very well done. The, the town is nicely built. Um, so I connected with, um, with one of the members that lives there and is, plays with the group. And Kathy and I went to visit, and he had a couple Alphorns in a large, uh, a large back, you know, backyard. So I got to try playing an outpouring. And as a trumpet player that had been practicing for a while, I discovered it wasn't that difficult. Um, and so I just got excited about the whole idea of learning how to play outpouring and um, researched it, uh, found a, a nice video from a German outpouring maker that showed how to make um, your own outpouring out of plastic pipe. <laughs> So I, I built mine uh, using his model, but having to use American little pipe pipe measurements, and it started exploring how how alphorns are made and how long they have to be. Um, I I did study physics in my past, and so I understood the acoustic properties of of, uh, of musical instruments. So it was it was just a lot of fun to to play around with something that cost only thirty dollars uh, to put together. And um, so um, I was invited to join the Leavenworth Outporn Association uh, and uh, did. Now, I haven't been able to get up frequently, but we did go up for their annual celebration last May and played with about 18 members of other Outporn associations throughout the United States that converged in Leavenworth on that weekend and purchased my own Outporn. There was a an individual that that buys and sells alphorns at these uh, at these festivals around the country, and was able to purchase for a really reasonable price a used alphorn. So, oh, great! So, when you went to um, to Habkern, and then you were able to purchase a, a mouthpiece there from from someone who actually makes the the alphorns. That's another connection that you're going to have now because whenever you play that your Alphorn, you'll have those memories of actually being in Switzerland and and being at at the place where where the the mouthpiece was made. Yes, that that's right, and yeah. it will come up later, or maybe I'll just mention it now. I actually ordered an Alphorn <laughs> from the second Alphorn maker we visited. I can maybe just throw that in now that we're oh, on the topic. Yeah. In, in the Emmental, our first, our first place was in Eckyville. And there's a very famous Alphorn maker, Bachmann's Alphorn Maharai. They've been making Alphorn since 1925. So grandfather, father, and now the son. Um, and very high end. Um, and one author refers to them as the Stradivarius of Alphorns. Okay. Um, so uh, we, we got to tour his shop, and um, I asked him about ordering and been told it takes a year or two to get on the wait list. And I said, that's fine. It gives me a chance to save up for it. So basically, I ordered an Alphorn from him, and uh, he highly recommended that I come pick it up personally in about a year and a half. Oh, 
Well, I was just going to say, I, I bet Kathy's glad that you were able to order it and that you didn't have to carry it home in your luggage. But sounds like when you go back to collect it, you will have to carry it home. We'll have to figure that out then, yes. <laughs> so after the Jungfrau region, what was the next uh, destination you headed to? We went to Zermatt. So we had always wanted to see the Matterhorn. And uh, so so we did. Uh, had a great view from our hotel, um, sort of a sliced view through other buildings and because we're in the town of Zermatt. But we were high up on the third floor of our hotel, and we had this sort of little window view right at the Matterhorn. So uh, every morning I could get up and see the sun rise on, on the Matterhorn. Wonderful. And this, this is where you met, met your friends from Germany. Right. And were you, you were with them the whole time? Yeah, we did separate things occasionally, but mostly we uh, we tried to do you know a number of things together. So mm -hmm. we did some cable car rides uh, together, and um, did some touring just on foot together, and a hike together, a couple of hikes together. So some meals were together. What was the highlights of your stay in Zermatt apart from seeing the Matterhorn? Was anything else particularly stood out? Was there you know some something that really surprised you about it or or was it as you'd expected the the Matterhorn glacier yeah it was another time we got up in the morning looked outside and said this is as clear as it has been this is our last full day we just went halfway up uh the day before I said you know we're here let's do it so we went to the the top of the the Klein Matterhorn it was fabulous. Again, we had just great 360-degree views. It was really interesting looking at the Matterhorn from there because it doesn't look so high when you're like almost, <laughs> almost at the same level, elevation level. But what surprised us was on the backside of the Klein Matterhorn were, were just skiers, like hundreds of people skiing. Because you go up the steep side and you don't realize on the other side there's like lots of, you know, Lots of uh, places for, for skiers to uh, uh, on the slopes. So that was very uh, interesting. The, the ice sculptures up there we saw were fascinating. We, we were willing to say we probably we won't be able to do that because mm -hmm. the weather just doesn't, it doesn't make sense to go up in clouds. You lucked out. We lucked out. Yeah, I think that's the advantage of staying one, in one place for three or four nights. Yeah, absolutely, because if you're, I've got a, a really tight schedule and, as you say, if the weather's bad or it's a cloudy day, it's no good doing those mountain excursions. So having that extra time to be able to be flexible is, is wonderful. And uh, Kathy, uh, Kathy remembers particularly our, our meal um, with our friends. It was the second night that we were or so that we were there that – they mentioned to us that this was their 50th wedding anniversary <laughs> and said, so we want, we want to have our, our celebration meal with you. They actually had two. They have, you know, the Stattliche, the, the courthouse day. And then the next day was the, the church wedding. And that was sort of the main one. So we had like two meals and back-to-back -back days with them to celebrate their 50th anniversary. Um, and uh, Kathy remembers as we were leaving, they were left a little bit before we did. Uh, the uh, Reinhardt, the, the husband of my pen pal, 
spoke to her about how meaningful uh, it was to celebrate this major event uh, mm. personally with us. So, oh, isn't that wonderful? Very, very touching. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And where did you visit after Zermatt? Then we went to the, to the Emmental. So our last eight days was four days in the uh, southern part of the Emmental, the, the high, higher level Emmental the, in Eckyville. Uh, it's E-G-G-I-W-I-L, but they don't say Eggyville, it's Eckyville. So we had to learn how to say that correctly. Um, and uh, that, was, that was a lovely stay. Uh, that's where I got to go to the other Alphorn maker. And uh, it was warm. Those days, it was quite warm, and uh, being out and about was a little bit taxing for us because the we were on foot, and we stayed quite a ways up the hill from town. So from the bus stop, it was a good kilometer or more on a very steep, small road driveway up to our B&B. And uh, so a couple times, that was a, a, a little difficult. We were pretty tired and hot by the time we got back. Um, but the rewards were there. Just the views were fantastic. Okay. And then we went to um, another uh, another village for, for uh, the last four days called Hymasville and stayed in that, they call it a lodge, the Speaker Lodge. It's an old storage shed, probably two or 300 years old, that they built out into the most lovely uh, one-bedroom um, like cabin and uh it was very nice the owners were very friendly and uh picked us up you know where we needed to be picked up and um had uh, lots of good advice on where we could hike and um things to do uh, in the area so when you're in the emmental you're mainly relying on the on the buses to get around is that right yes yeah. Were they on an hourly kind of service? Everything is like on the hour. Like if it's yeah. not more than that, I think I heard and read that the goal was from anywhere to anywhere at least every hour. Mm-hmm. And that was true even in these remote rural locations. Yeah. yeah. Even on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time um, it sounds like you stayed in hotels except for when you're at the, the B. Was it a B&B? at the first place in Emmental and then in a, in a cabin. Did you have any um, opportunities to cook your own meals or did you uh, tend to eat out all the time? We did have an opportunity to cook in the last, in the second, in the, in the cabin. They have a mm-hmm. full kitchen, a fully furnished kitchen. Um, there was a little village grocery store, 15-minute walk from there. We had nice weather. So we would buy our groceries and we cooked, you know, simple things in the cabin and um and mostly um that's where we were able to to actually cook meals for ourselves um well in eckyville we had a room but we also had there was also a kitchen mm, right. that we could use okay with yeah. refrigerator and shared yeah shared yeah, kitchen it was all it was shared but yes okay we did not we did not take advantage of that very mm-hmm. much for the majority of your trip, you were eating eating out all the time. You know, a lot of people are a bit shocked by the price of meals in, in Switzerland. So did you find it difficult uh, to find something that was, you know, that fitted your budget, I guess? 
Um, yeah, we, well, that was difficult. Restaurants were difficult. We weren't surprised. And that's the other thing I, I think I mentioned in one of my comments once. You always hear people talk about, oh, I can't believe how expensive it is. Hey, the internet is available before you go. Download some menus and get mm-hmm. used to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to go to Switzerland, this is what you need to pay or be willing to pay and, and know it. Then it shouldn't be a surprise. So we weren't surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, by the prices of things. Um, but we had also read, um, and the other thing we didn't mention, uh, we had read that the, you can get good meals from the grocery stores. Yeah. So the, the Migro, the co-op, or the coop, if they call it in some places, um, they were they were very nice. You could get you know sandwiches for relatively inexpensive, um, fruit, fresh fruit. And so we did... Um, a large part of our eating by by uh, buying food from the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And did you, uh, when you stayed in hotels, when you when you booked your hotel rates, did you have breakfast included most times? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that that's always a good way um, to have at least one meal a day covered, and you can have a substantial breakfast, and then you perhaps not quite so hungry at lunchtime, at least. Yes. Yeah. And we tend to eat light uh, the rest of the day anyway. So that works really well. Uh, Exactly that a substantial breakfast, maybe pack a lunch for an outing and then and then eat out somewhere in the evening. Mm -hmm. Um, We enjoyed pizzas. I mean, we just they're so we we knew European style pizzas. We when we lived in Germany, the the kinds of individual pizzas that we got there were far different than the pizzas we're used to seeing here in the States. Um, so we had some lovely, <laughs> lovely pizzas that we would share. We also didn't eat, we don't eat a lot. So we were able to share meals mm-hmm. um, and, and that was fine in most cases. I think there was only one place where it was a little bit frowned upon, but they acquiesced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Very good. So was there anything about uh, your trip to Switzerland that surprised you or um, something that perhaps didn't? didn't turn out as you thought it might? Pleasant surprise. I'll let Kathy talk about, we talked about this question. Um, there was, uh, and particularly in, in uh, Eckyville, but in other places, uh, we were surprised and um, and pleased by um, what, what she'll relate about the kids. Yeah, the children that we met made eye contact. They were polite and friendly. The most notable experience was in Eckyville. We were um, out walking in the morning, and this girl came from 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 a side street from her farmhouse that we had walked past, and she was riding her bicycle. And when she got to us, she stopped on her bike and just said, "No, good morning, hello." And I said, "Well, hello. Are you on your way to school?" And got. In this conversation with her, I think she was either a first or second grader. She had her, you know, her Schulranzen, whatever you call that. And school backpack. Yeah, and her backpack on. And she just pointed out her school building. It's just, it's, it's down there in the valley. It's, you see that big building? Well, it's, it's the neighbor to that one. You really can't see my school. They must be a little bit chatty. Mm-hmm. And she says, well, I better go. And she <laughs> took off and just went. Went really fast down the hill. I would have been terrified had I seen my daughter riding like that. But, you know, that's what they do all the time. Mm-hmm. And we had similar experiences elsewhere with um, with children who 
didn't know us and they saw us sitting there and rather than just walk by and pretend like they didn't see us, they would just say good morning and and walk on their way. Just very polite and friendly. Mm-hmm. They speak dialect mostly where we were in Amental Berndutsch, which we don't speak, but you know, you can pick up on things like Grusisch, right? Grusse <laughs> miteinander. Um, that was the <laughs> most lovely one I, I heard. Um, but so we speak fluent German, but certainly not Berndutsch. So all I could do was start speaking German with her. And she, she was fine with that. She yeah. understood us because that's what they learned in school. Um, but... I was a little bit unsure we we're going to be able to communicate with this first grader. <laughs> and, and that worked out. Yeah, that, that worked out uh, just, just fine. Um, yeah. And what Kathy said was interesting was she, she didn't seem to be in a huge hurry. It wasn't awkward. It wasn't this sort of, Oh, now that I stopped. Oh, oh and these are probably foreigners. Now that I can't tell that they're locals, there was nothing, nothing that made anybody nervous. She just chatted with us for, Two or three minutes. Okay. And uh, so it was, it was really. Yeah, we've read, just read some articles about you know child raising um, in Switzerland, and this was a match to what you know what we experienced was with things that we've read online. So yeah, oh lovely. So I guess that was one special moment that you um, that you experienced on your trip. Were there any other um, particularly memorable moments that you'd like to share with us? I would just say there there are a lot of times when we would be out hiking somewhere and you just stand there and you look out at all of this loveliness that's it was very very lush and green because they'd had they'd had those torrential rains mm-hmm. the the month before, which did a lot of damage in some places, but it also caused the the grass and everything to be much lush, well, greener than it normally is at that time of the year. So it was just absolutely gorgeous and um, reminded me of the things that, that my family did growing up, you know, the camping out and hiking. And in the Pacific Northwest, there's just a lot of very beautiful places too, mountains and streams and stuff. So yeah, I just thought so many times my dad, my dad would love to be here with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so made it pretty special. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that, that was a lot of it was the uh, just spending time. Um, one of the things that we had to plan, like everybody has to plan is just how that maps to your, your health situation. We're both relatively healthy. Kathy, does have MS. She's stabilized, but we have to be careful on you know how how much exertion. Um, I had cancer treatment, uh, radiation in February and March, and, and undergoing hormone therapy for another year. My energy levels are low, um, so we had to both kind of pace ourselves, and that turned out to be a wonderful thing to have to do was to just take more time mm. walking up a hill. You know, Norbert, I could do this. It's like, I got to stop. And while I'm yeah. stopped, look. Yeah. <laughs> and we go a little farther and we stop and we look. And we just spent a whole lot more time than we would have by uh, having the time, not being hurried ever. We were never yeah. in a hurry on the trip. Yeah. And uh, so, so many days of just taking in the, 
the surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, slow it slowing down definitely has its advantages, doesn't it? The last thing you mentioned about Zurich, we didn't spend any time in Zurich when we flew in, but we spent two nights in the hotel right on the right at the, the Zurich airport. Um, and that turned out to be really a wonderful thing to do. Um, first of all, we had our COVID tests at the at that hotel. They had their own facility. So we checked into our room, you know, took the elevator got our test 15 minutes later, got our results. Uh, we got our COVID certificates on our cell phone so we could do anything for the, for the, the day that we had the following mm-hmm. day. And our flight the following day was very early. We had to get up about four o'clock. So these two nights gave us time to just wander around Zurich um, for that one day. It was rainy, so uh, we didn't see a whole lot. We didn't really plan to see a whole lot, but the airport facilities in Zurich are just outstanding. It's a vill- it's a city. Everything's there at the airport. Uh, shopping, uh, grocery stores, you know, bookstores, souvenirs, whatever. It's all there. And uh, and at the Zurich main train station, it's very similar. It's mm. just like an underground city. So we found that really really fun, especially while it was kind of rainy that day. We could do lots of things just you know at the shops in the uh the main train station of Zurich and and the airport uh, uh as well so uh that turned out to be a really really neat thing to do to sort of be a little more relaxed before we took a long flight back to Seattle the next day so before i let you go have you got any tips that you would like to give to anyone who's planning their first trip to Switzerland um, I think I would recommend that um, you don't worry about making decisions and making your selections. I think you really have to reflect on yourself because when you hear what people do or you see posts of people and everybody for everybody that posts anything, it's always the best thing you could have ever done, right? So pretty soon you collect all these things. You go, I, I don't know what to do. It's just, it's, I want to do it all. You say, think about what resonates with you. There are lots of things that people love to do that aren't us. So we appreciate that that was a great experience for somebody and you want to sort of project that onto yourself. And then you realize that that's not us. So really be content with who you are yeah. right? and make your selections pretty much based on the kinds of things that you already enjoy without, yeah. you know, without worrying about or, or without, you know, sort of leaving out the opportunity to do new things that right? you do want to you know, do. Some yeah, absolutely. Things. It's your trip. You want to do things that, as you say, resonate with you. It's no good going to Switzerland and doing things that interest other people if they don't appeal to you at all. So, yeah, don't just go to tick off all those bucket list excursions or attractions. Tick off what you personally want to see and do. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantastic yeah. tip. Yeah. I'd say be you have to learn to just be accepting of weather. You know, people always look at the weather reports. Yeah, we did too. Every day we look at the weather report for the next five days and it rained in the morning, thunderstorms in the afternoon, it rained in the morning, but that never actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> except for twice so but it could happen and you know you you know you've been there and we know we've traveled uh, quite a bit you cannot guarantee 
that you're going to have sunny weather when you go to Switzerland. So be sure to just understand that there are wonderful things to do, even outside, if it happens to be cloudy, which is more often cloudy than rainy. So just enjoy the time that you have. Uh, when we went to the harder cold, there was a high cloud layer, but we could see down into Interlock and beautifully from the top. You know, we couldn't see the, the mountains in the background, but we could see every, we could see like Brins and uh, Tudorze. And so we enjoyed the looking down from the top. Uh, and I think just to be really flexible uh, but also if you focus on some of the cultural experiences, meeting people, talking to people, then weather is far less of an uh, impediment you know, to enjoying a trip. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your trip with us today. And um, I'm really pleased to know that there's going to be another one coming up when you go back to pick up that Elkhorn. So <laughs> maybe we'll have to have you have you back on the show and you'll have to give us a bit of a, a tune on the Elkhorn. <laughs> yeah, I'd be glad to. Yeah, I'd be glad to do a, a little bit of a, of a uh, performance. Uh, by that time, I could be, uh, be up to speed and uh, in playing a little more. Thank you again, Gary and Kathy. It's been awesome talking to you, and I'm sure that all the um, the tips and and your itinerary, your experiences, I'm sure they'll be helpful to uh, to someone else out there who's planning their own trip. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. What great advice from Gary. Your trip should be about seeing and doing what resonates with you. Don't think you have to tick off the excursions and attractions that are on someone else's bucket list. Plan your trip to see and do what interests you. In the show notes for this episode, which you'll find at holidaystoswitzerland.com forward slash episode 37, I'll include a summary of Gary and Kathy's itinerary plus additional information on the places that have been mentioned in today's show. Until next time, happy planning and tschüss. Thank you so much for listening. For more great resources on planning a trip to Switzerland, make sure you visit holidaystoswitzerland.com where you'll find trip planning tips, destination guides, information on transport, including Swiss rail passes, and much more. You're also encouraged to join the Switzerland Travel Planning Group on Facebook where you can ask questions and chat to other past and future travellers to Switzerland. You'll find show notes from today's episode at holidaystoswitzerland.com forward slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the Holidays to Switzerland travel podcast so you never miss an episode. (laughs) 